All right, here we are back on another episode of Chasing Labels, uh, spy number five. Man, early days, early days. I know. I'm Stephen these Billings. Are, these are limited edition days. Limited editions. These are the ones that are going to be out of print soon. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to go uh, for uh, super big bucks on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Stephen <laughs> Billings, and as always, Andrew Cabral is with me. What's up, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. Back together again. I say this every single episode. The two weeks that we f- that we film in conjunction with go by super super fast felt like we were just here yesterday yeah and you know t- to be honest i'm a little surprised we didn't get as many announcements as we usually get like it's no, usually no. every week i feel like i'm overwhelmed and we got a lot to talk about i mean we still got a lot to talk about but we thought criterion was going to drop something we thought maybe indicator was going to drop their stuff but we right. just missed them i guess maybe we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do an impromptu ne- episode next week i think um, yeah the irony is that it'll, it'll drop during a week that we're not recording Probably that yeah. that'll be what what'll happen knowing our luck. Well, but this week we also got an, a, another guest. Last week we had Aaron West, and also now this week we got another another player here in the game in the podcasting game. He does the podcast Film Baby Film. Uh, we have John Loppinger here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Stephen. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. It's so great to uh, to finally meet you after listening to you guys on your podcast. And uh, Stephen and I know each other. From our Facebook groups, but yeah, I'm, uh, it's ex- I'm excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, and it's the first time talking to you, of course, in person though, so uh, on webcam. Um, but right, um, right. but yeah, we we enjoy chatting about you know I think we first came uh, through chatting on the Criterion Now group, and um, you know John's always really uh, gracious and and always you know is good conver- you know he brings up the conversations. He joined our our, our Facebook group for this and was you know interacting so i we really appreciate you uh having some enthusiasm for this uh, new thing we got going on here of course man yeah you, people usually have me as their first guest when they're first starting out a podcast because it's like i'll just talk so they don't <laughs> even have to worry about like if they're just getting their feet wet you know i'll just i'll just rip um but it was probably smart for you guys to have aaron on as your first i know you guys have been you know you guys have been pocket you guys are podcasting pros but like now that you guys are taking on a slightly different format like having aaron on first is probably pretty smart because uh you know man that guy he got a much be- like he got he got to talk about like what a hundred new releases <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. you know Aaron's rapid fire I'm the guy to bring on when there's no releases coming out <laughs> and you just want to like you just want to go real deep on Barbara Stan- like one of Barbara Stanwyck's like least popular movies like I'm your man all so. right so you're so nice. you're telling me you're telling me we we did a good job putting you on the lesser like <laughs> we would have had like a five hour podcast if we'd have put you on last episode you're saying. Oh, absolutely! Okay. Yeah. Right. Although I am, I have to say, I'm very excited to get some of the uh, new releases off the A Ron Explorations labels. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, let me ask you this. I don't know if you've thought about this, and Andrew, I know, I, it, I we didn't get a lot of responses to the, uh, you know, I, I put it out there. I wanted people to give us some some answers. I know Dan sent me one. Uh, he said he if he started his own boutique uh, label, he would call it uh, Bleacher Features. And it would be mm, right. all sports movies, and I think he had like, you know, he he does his own podcast already, kind of like that. So I think he just wanted to meld them together. But if you could do it off the top of your head, John, yeah, what would you call your label, and what would, would be some be, releases? Yeah, absolutely. It would be it would be Swedish focused. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All Bergman it all would the time. Be, 
It would be so niche. It would basically be like Ingmar Bergman's friends. It would be, ah. you know, because obviously there's so much coverage of Ingmar Bergman, but Svenskin Industries and all of the other, uh, all of the other, uh, sorry, my wife is, my wife is just coming out. She's going to bed and she's letting me know oh, you're I'm being good. too loud. I'm getting fired up now that I'm talking about my, my <laughs> fantasy. Babe, just close the doors. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, marriage life. Now I have to, I have to, see, see, I don't know, get volume control somehow. I, I wait until my wife is not home. I try to plan my podcasts <laughs> when she's at work. And that's what's, that's, that's why it's so quiet here. Um, that's smart. That's smart. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think, I think my label would be um, all of the other great Swedish film that we haven't gotten here okay. yet in the United States. Cool. They just invest. They just invest so much, like a disproportionate amount of their GDP goes to the arts and goes to yeah. film and, and all that stuff. And they've just had like for a hundred years have just like punched way above their weight in terms of the film industry. And I'd like to get more of that here to the United States. Oh, okay. Well, um, I can't wait to see what, see what your label does. Uh, <laughs> um, I, do you have a start date? Is it going to be sometime this year, next year? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll stay in touch with you. But um, Thank you. all right. So now that all the chitter chatter is done, let's let's uh, I guess get into the the meat. Let's get this started. All on these now. A couple of these things are, are more like annou- kind of announcements more than they are like legitimate release announcements. They're more like just little news tidbits. Um, so the first things we're going to talk about here are that Second Sight, once again, Second Sight's kind of going to lead our show here. They have gotten a couple updates here. They have been talking about The Hitcher for a while now and and trying to get a good release of this out again. And it looks like finally they're confirming that they're going to be putting out a Blu-ray. They wanted to do a 4K, but apparently they haven't got the enough of the original elements to really do a 4K. So it looks like they're finally um, saying that it's happening. Um, so... Have you guys seen The Hitcher, and what do you think, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I've seen The Hitcher. For those of you who are not, in, I guess, informed about what The Hitcher is, um, it was, or is, a film from 1986, I believe. Yeah. And it stars uh, the late uh, Rutger Hauer, and C. Thomas Howell's in it as well, as well as, well as Jennifer Jason Leigh. And it's a great, like, uh, horror, psychological thriller film. Um, yeah, I... I'm really looking forward to this to this release. Um, it has gotten a Blu-ray release in other parts of the world. I mean, Second Sight isn't you know, of course, a U.S. A yeah, US they're release UK label. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but it has gotten several releases in Germany over the last couple of years, and I'm assuming that this release, as Stephen said, is going to be done with a brand new like transfer and restoration, and apparently they're going to go with what's whatever is the best elements they can find, um, which I'm guessing is not the original camera negative, because if they had that, I guess they would have done the, U- the UHD 4K release for it. Um, so it's probably an interpositive, I guess. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the state of the elements are in. Yeah, um, it's just saying just with what original elements that are, some of the original elements are missing. So, you know. Unfortunately, yeah, that, they're that tends to, do to some happen with jobs. a lot of films. But um, John, what do you think of this this announcement here? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's a little disappointing. I'm I'm in that group of people that got into Second Sight because of the uh, the George Romero film. Um, what is it? Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I got the I got the insanely expensive Dawn of the Dead UHD Ultra Limited Edition. Yeah, I got it too. You know. <laughs> yeah, the coffin that's sitting on top of my. Yeah, I mean, great set, yeah. and so that's what really put Second Sight on my on my radar and um this is a film i think a lot of people were really excited about and obviously getting that uhd treatment would have been great i think people are just pumped to have it and obviously second sight does like a really great job with all their films it's going to be great it'll probably still so. have like a, a, a i'm even though it won't probably be a 4k i, I would assume it's going to come in a nice rigid slip case yeah. and kind of something because they've been doing that with a lot of their releases i mean I, honestly most of their releases come out in some kind of like rigid hard case or something um which is nice but um yeah i mean it's kind of a culty classic uh and you know like i watched it recently uh i just just earlier today just to kind of revamp on it and it's like i watched it on youtube and it's obviously youtube it's terrible quality but i'm like man i really need to watch this again looking bright and, and being able to see all these you know uh all the cinematography because because it's a it's really a really well shot movie um, I just couldn't tell how well shot it was uh, through what I was watching. So, but uh, Rugger Hauer is is one of the great villains in that movie. Um, but uh, the other thing that they also kind of updated us on was uh, the the long kind of awaited Dog Soldiers um, announcement because they they had teased it months ago. Like it, it might have even been a year ago. They they revealed artwork, and I was like, man, that artwork's amazing. And then we've gotten no news on when it was going to get released. And uh, then they made a post showing uh, the film, uh, one of the film reels saying that, you know, they, the negative uh, is at the lab and it's, I guess it's being scanned now they're going through it. So they're letting people know that it's still happening. So has, have you guys, John, have you seen dog soldiers? Yes, I have. Uh, I've seen dog soldiers once. I am, a huge, huge fan of the descent. I actually did a podcast episode completely dedicated to the descent. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's one I of my favorite Marshall horror fan. films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So it'll be. I think. I think the reason why I'm excited about this is less. Of, I mean, it's obviously great that it's going to get the 4K treatment uh, when that eventually comes out. I think more of it is Neil Marshall. Uh, if you ever seen the extras for the descent, like they, you know, he's a really engaging guy, really loves his craft. And so I'm sure that this is going to be the same sort of treatment where it's going to be, you're going to learn a lot about not only this film, but just like his style of filmmaking in general. So yeah, it's going to be great when it comes out. And obviously the people, there are people who are hardcore fans of dog soldiers. And I think they're going to be really pumped that it's going to get the treatment it's getting. Yeah. There's not a lot of, you could say great werewolf films. I mean, like some kind of are like fun, but like this is considered by a lot of people to be one of the better werewolf films, I would say. Um, Andrew, have you seen Dog Soldiers? Yes, yes, I have. I've seen, I saw it a couple of years ago, probably during, I guess because every October I go through like 31 days of Halloween doing a different horror movie every single day. And last couple of years, I've been trying to watch movies that I haven't seen before and then culminating with Halloween on Halloween night. So I probably have seen it one of them, one of those times. But I remember Dog Soldiers coming out on Blu-ray in like 2009, 2010, that area. 
And I remember in early days of me collecting, people were talking about that movie and picking it up. And it's it has since gotten a couple of releases, specifically here. It had, I want to say, a collector's edition from Scream Factory in 2015. And so I'm assuming that this is going to have an even better transfer than whatever that one had. It is a super low-budgeted movie. Yeah. It's it's that's one of its I guess you could say charms is that it for what they had with budget wise they maximized it in many different ways. It's a really solid film and Neil Marshall of course has gone on to do, you know, several other movies and whatnot. Um and he's a pretty solid director. So I definitely I haven't it's, the irony is it's one of those movies I've always wanted to get and have never gotten for some reason, and now I have the opportunity to get it yeah. in perhaps the best version. So well, that's my, always yeah. I mean, you're you're the best at that. You're yeah, the best at that because you, and, you you wait forever to buy something, and then it goes out of print, and then, oh yeah, which is oh, uh, yeah. irony because that's what we're going to talk about later. But um, it is uh, true. Yeah, this is but a you, very therapeutic episode for me. But that's the good thing is lately they've just been re-releasing stuff on 4K, uh, or like you know just re-releasing it just because. Um, oh yeah. So you, even if you missed out on it once, it's going to be back. So um, yeah, the chances are that's going to be re-released again. And yeah. yeah, I'm notorious for that. And I'm notorious for beating myself up <laughs> for doing that. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I always rationalize to myself, "Hey, this is this is going to be around forever. Why am I going to oh, buy man. it now?" And then of course, no, that's nobody never the else case. buys physical media. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's how that's they talk the now. But um. Oh. But the last little Andrew, thing, Andrew, you're Andrew's a great revenge collector. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put uh, it. Yeah, it is oh, a good way. To, I, or, the, or I'm I'm a revenge yeah. collector too because like even when it it becomes three times as much as it was worth originally, I'm like I'm like the evil Lex Luthor. I'm like I'm gonna buy you out anyway. You know, yeah, I'm still gonna win. The, you can't beat me, Superman. I'm know? almost like a thrill seeker. Where like you like just, to let it go to the edge and then yeah, yeah. just straight to the edge because then the victory is just so sweet. See what he like, does is bought... he likes to go to sites where it tells you exactly how many movies are left in stock and he waits till it's one left and he's like I'm gonna get it you know like <laughs> yeah oh I'm the worst procrastinator for everything but I just bought a movie the other day that I've been waiting like three years to buy and so I'm like once I get it it's gonna be like the sweetest moment yeah you so, got around to it yeah. man. Yeah, I just finally got around to it. I've you, got. You, you want to get stuff. in a relationship with that physical media before you buy it. I yeah, get it. I want to. I want to. Yeah, basically, search every avenue of it. Make my you know, checks and rechecks and all that kind of stuff. It's also like the same way. It's like the new hunting now, because you can't go to the stores mm. anymore. So yeah, you're like hunting. You like to let it get that feeling of going around and looking and getting the best deal. And sometimes you got to wait a little while before you get that best deal. Um, yeah, but, the, I mean, yeah, not even like, you know, because of the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, all the places I used to go for, you know, the hunting grounds, I guess, movie hunting grounds, were all gone. You know, they've yeah. all closed up shop, and they're closing probably even more now. Yeah. So you got to find other avenues. Yeah. Well, the last little bit from Second Sight here is that they uh, also announced that, and like I said, no, no information, just just that they're going to put it out. Is that they're putting out the film The Craze, um, which I don't, I've never seen, I've never, but I know it's about the Cray Brothers, which is they kind of did a remake of that in a sense with the movie Legend with Tom Hardy. It's about the Cray Brothers. So, mm. anybody seen The Craze? I, I haven't seen it, John. No, no, uh, yeah. and it, until you made that connection to Legend, I, I had no, yeah. I didn't even because I've never seen Legend either, but I've obviously seen all the. 
uh, that trailers for that film were coming out. You yeah. know, I was going to the movies at that time. So, uh, yeah, no, I have no clue what this is. I don't know if people are really salivating for it, or if this is going to be like something that's going to sneak up on people. I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about it either. Uh, Andrew, have you heard anything about no, this? No, no, but it's interesting that you mentioned that connection because it looks that's what the poster would lead to. Um, it's also, yeah, the IMDb synopsis is exactly it. It says, uh, this fact-based movie follows the life of the twin crime lords in London's 60s underworld, which is what Legend was, was about, yeah. uh, but with Tom Hardy playing two different characters. And in so this, I, so, I, I yeah, think this that the actors like... that play the brothers are actually twins in this movie. Oh. So, if I'm not mistaken, so they 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 got they went the yeah, full. Yeah, it's Gary Kemp and Martin Kemp. Yeah, play the Cray brothers. So that's that's kind of that's kind of cool. Yeah, I've never quite seen that before. Usually, they 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 do like certain tricks to make identical twins. But this was in the '90s. I think this was like 1990. Yeah, this is like 1990. Yeah. So they didn't really have the the whole face replacement kind of thing down yet. I don't think. Uh, maybe I don't know. That wasn't until the the social network with the w- <laughs> Winklevi. The Winkle. Yeah. That was when they really nailed. That's when they really nailed face they, replacement. You know what? It was before that. It was when they did Face Off. Uh, you know, with Nicolas Cage. And <laughs> that's when they got the face replacement really, they, down. They weren't really uh, twins because that really was John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage. You know, they just they got it down then. Um, no, but that was maybe. practical effects because they actually You're right, did that the is surgery. Different. That yeah. was yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe they're making a sequel or doing something with that. I <laughs> Face can't off, that. yeah. They're saying they're doing a sequel. It's, it's, um, if it doesn't have Nicolas Cage in it, I don't think I'll care. Um, you got to bring him back to the dead from the dead as a zombie or something. Like, he's got to be back. <laughs> um, but, um, all right. Well, we're going to move on from Second Sight. Um, and now let's move on. Uh, th- another kind of like tidbit here. Uh, th- now, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, we thought Indicator would maybe drop their announcements. Didn't really drop their announcements, but there have been com- some kind of like <laughs> leaks. Uh, not really leaks, but there were there were some magazine articles that uh, announced a few little titles that seem to be coming soon um, from the Little White Lies magazine and the Dark Side. Um, the three titles that showed up in the magazine were uh, in August. They said that the film Corruption was coming out it's got a peter cushing in it and uh also without kind of any dates attached to it uh uh, putney uh swope and the people next door um which i think the people next door is getting uh, just recently got a release uh, announced from scorpion releasing so there's your uk version there is from indicator um anybody seen any any three of these films corruption Uh, john no, I haven't seen these three films, but I was I was doing my I was doing my due diligence, my uh, homework, yes. and these are these are definitely three interesting films. I mean, leaving to indicator to just they are they are pulling out all the stops and you know looking at all the nooks and crannies to to give us interesting stuff. Um, Corruption's fascinating because I don't think it is a Hammer film, but it is a Peter Cushing film, and it is a horror film, and it sounds really trippy and weird. And I think, um, obviously, Putney Swope has been available. I think it was uh, the Robert Downey Sr. Eclipse set. Yes. Um, and so that's been available stateside for a while. But um, 
corruption, I think, is the one of these that I'm sort of most excited about because it just sounds so trippy and weird and fun. Yeah, I told Andrew I'd, I'd seen this. I watched this movie and um, I watched Corruption, and, and it kind of is a little bit like Eyes Without a Face, but like the British version. Uh, you know, not not so not so intense or, or like more in the horror realm. It's a little bit a little bit more psychological. I mean, I know I, Eyes Without a Face is definitely psychological, but it's a little bit more in the '60s. Um, you know, there's a lot of that dan- go-go dancing and, and all that stuff. And then you got Peter Cushing, who is like, like with, he's a doctor and he's like dating this like beautiful kind of model. And she like gets in some accident, scars her face. And then he tries his best to like repair that. And with that becomes these consequences of, you know, him deciding he's going to kill to, to, to help her. And, so, you know, it's, so it's got, it's, it's, it's actually pretty good. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it, but it, and if you do want to check it out, it's on YouTube for free. You can kind of, it's up there. <laughs> I feel like most people that can date supermodels, uh, they just swap out supermodels. Like they don't, they don't go the extra mile to take care of that supermodel. It's like, look, you're already in the supermodel club, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever. Yeah. You just, you just get a they, new they, one. I, so. Peter Cushion didn't go that route. He decided he was, he's, <laughs> he, he, he's like, look, I'm good. At, I like to recycle. Um, and he's, he's like, he know he's committed. He's a committed relationship based yeah. guy. Yeah. That makes perfect That's sense. So, 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 but did you, did you like it? Is this, is my instinct on, you know, researching this is, is it right? Is this a, is this a, is this going to be a trip for people? I think so. And it? and it looks like it's going to come in. It's going to be one of their limited edition hardbacks, like their oh, thicker nice. ones. Um, so I think it's worth it. I want, you know, I, and I'm sure it's going to have a lot of great features. Um, Andrew, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Um, I Out of these three films, the one I'm most familiar with is probably Putney Swope because I do have that Robert Downey Sr. set, which I bought probably way back in 2012 when it came out. And it's probably like the first Eclipse set that I ever got, maybe. Nah. I have a couple of them, but um, but I, I want to say that one was one of the first ones I ever got. And it's since been released a couple of times. I know... It got a Twilight Time release in 2019, so it's probably one of Twilight Time's last kind of releases or so, maybe. Um, I would have to check up on that. But Corruption has also already gotten a release here in 2013 by Grindhouse Releasing, Okay. who I think primarily, at least for Steven and I, is known for putting out the swimmer yeah the sw- that Lancaster. swimmer release is amazing mm. it's put out two different versions of that release the newest one's really nice but the cover oh, that's that's one of your future i wish i'd have bought it because you you know what it, it it's one of the current i wish i had bought it <laughs> well you can it's, it's still, still out there man get it's it. still out there i gotta get it i gotta get it because i love burt lancaster but for corruption yeah for corruption um the cover for the grindhouse releasing is very very um, suggestive in many different ways. <laughs> for every, everybody at home, go and look for the, you know, the Corruption Blu-ray release from 2013. It basically is as twisted as Steven is describing it, and in the film, in the film cover is not hiding that at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. not hiding it at well, all. Well, they're a little bit more subtle with what looks like the cover from Indicator. It's just like the screaming face oh, gee. echoed on, on, on the cover. Um, that's, it's very, so it's very subtle. Um, but Yeah, and the, the people next door, uh, like Steven said, is getting a Blu-ray release in July of this year. And if things are, you know, as accurate as we think they are, this release will come out in August. 
So basically take your pick about which one you want. Yeah. Uh, just like play play some type of comparison game where we can figure out uh, which one do you which one do you prefer? And, you, you and, and it might that. just it might just come down to where you're from. You know, if you don't have a region free player, you might just have to get that Very scorpion true. releasing. I didn't think of region. Yeah, region defining, but also about you know special feature preference and. But we've been seeing that it's been a running theme of the show and just in general where multiple labels in different areas are releasing the same movie. I mean, how many times are we going to get the Dead Zone? I'm, I'm hoping know? a third time because I will take an Arrow release of that. Uh, yeah, I know we pro- <laughs> probably end up being there. And yeah, Burt Lancaster, like I said, Jonathan is also one of my favorite actors. I went on a whole. I think I talked about it. I don't remember. I went on a whole Burt Lancaster marathon sometime last year because the Criterion Channel just had a whole group of his films so I'll just yes. like, I gotta get through yes. them before yeah. they expire so I had uh, I just well, went now, through now, all that, now that we're deciding to go off topic have you seen The Swimmer John? yeah of course I watched okay, it in great. that same Criterion bundle <laughs> okay yeah. nice. great get that. yeah no Burt Lancaster Burt Lancaster might be my favorite actor okay cool because I oh. also am a huge Lucchino Visconti fan I've done two, I've done two I love The Leopard Oh. Yeah, I think I did like a six-hour, two-part podcast on Lucchino Visconti, his entire filmography, and then I did another podcast over on Wrong Reel for like another three hours on the same topic. Jeez. So, and Burt Lancaster really brings the noise. I also really love Conversation Piece, um, another Lucchino Visconti, Burt Lancaster stunner, and then um, yeah, obviously the Swimmer is great. I'm looking forward to you know just. I, I'm jealous of you, Andrew, having gone through that like deep dive into his career. Yeah, I had known him before in other things. Like I had seen The Train, um, and I had seen The Killers, uh, stuff like that. And yeah, I just I was just like I need more of him, so I just went through that whole bundle. Like Elmer Gantry, I was waiting a while. I was actually waiting to buy the Blu-ray for that, but I was like, hey, it's it's here, it's in the order. I might as well go through yeah. it. Um, and I think that's the only film that he won an Oscar for. I think was Elmer I was Gantry. gonna say that's that's his Oscar film, right? Which is interesting to bring if we want to bring it back on topic. The People <laughs> Next Door. Uh, I'm a huge fan of like EGOT Oscar trivia, and both Eli Wallach and Julie Harris were like a hair away from winning um, the EGOT. Uh, Eli Wallach was nominated for a Grammy, didn't get it. Um, Julie Harris, shockingly enough, she never got an Oscar. She has like five Tony Awards. She has a Grammy um, and she did a lot of TV and be it. She just never got that Oscar. So two, you know, uh, pretty famous character. I don't know if Julie Harris is a character actor, but two, you know, fairly well-known thespians who just came like this close to getting the uh, not the triple crown, but like the grand slam of acting, <laughs> yeah. uh, performing. So, fun fact. Yes, fun, fun fact. fact. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank um, you for bringing us back on back on target. He's really he's really showing us the things he said at the beginning. He will talk. He will, and that's great. And when <laughs> he, he said he did he, like three hour podcasts on Visconti, yeah. that tells you a lot too. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he brought it back. Back. You on have target. a lot of stamina, my friend, because that sounds like that. Whew, all right. Yeah, yeah people do, have I, a hard time. People have a hard time watching a three-hour Visconti. I'm like, I'll watch it, and then I'll do like a six-hour breakdown. Nice, nice. You're, well, mean, that's. We'll have to maybe do something like that one day. Yeah, when, I, I mean, when I'm when lo- I'm in better shape. Um, yeah, our longest episode I think was the Rocky one, which was like two hours and forty minutes, where we went through each Rocky film all the way up till Creed two. That was one of our earliest episodes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that was, was that was a marathon. There was that, and there was there was another one that was like pretty close to that one too. But I know, didn't we do a whole episode? Mom, I was gonna say we did. Wasn't that the episode we did where we talked about all films other than Rocky? That was with Sylvester with Sylvester Stallone. Other oh, than Rocky, yeah, we did that's like what ours. that was. Yeah. No, that was that wasn't as long. I don't think. Oh, yeah. But because I don't think he's this. Yeah, I don't think that was as long. I talked about opening... Demolition Man for for two hours. So, yeah, I know. Seriously, no. it, was a, it was a break. It was a breakdown of just all of all of that. Yeah, all of that futuristic dystopian stuff. But all right, well, we'll get of... back on track here. Let's. Uh, yeah, we're back on track. Let's get let's go over to Kino. Just lead us yeah. through Kino, Andrew. We're back. We're back to our old friends over at Kino Lover. John, Kino... are you as stressed out about Kino releases as we are? Because there's so many of them. So, look. <laughs> uh, it, so the the first thing, and I think we all should always say this, is like Kino Lorber is obviously doing God's work. They're, they're, yes, out yes. Classic it's a Hollywood. joke, guys. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying this to set up what I want to say. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, I yeah. obviously, if anybody from Kino Lorber is listening, we know you're doing God's work. It's great that these movies are out there in as good a condition as you can get it out there, yeah. you know, uh, with your budget. Awesome. With that being said, honestly, I don't even really consider Kino Lorber to be like a boutique label, okay. ultimately. Mm. And, um, you know, yeah, it's a lot of it's like a lot of it is just like a, putting out a lot of product, constantly putting out new stuff. I just do like when I did my research before talking to you guys, I didn't even look at Kino Lorber. Gotcha. And part of me is a little embarrassed to admit that, but it's just I don't know if it's that it's fatigue for the high quantity of stuff that they put out or it's just it uh their releases and their branding has never clicked with me yeah. i don't know i mean i I, th- I think i could see there there could be an argument for not maybe labeling them as a boutique label because as we've talked about before andrew we with them their releases come down to just probably a restoration and then that's it they don't care about packaging they don't care about uh supplements yeah. they don't care I about s- you know it, it really all depends on what they're releasing, and I guess you could say how much effort, time, and effort they put into some of these releases. I guess what I'm saying is not all releases are the same, um, because I think from where they started back in like the early 2010s when they were putting out like, um, oh man, they were putting out so like Fair Fair and Desire, which was like Kubrick's like. Kubrick's like original first film that he hated so much that he had all the prints burned of it, uh, but <laughs> and they were putting out like, um, like just all kinds of stuff in those in those white cases. Those like didn't even have like restorations. They were basically like, uh, here's the movie that no one else will pull it out. Here you go. But yeah. here's all like the the scratches and the splices and all this kind of yeah. stuff from back then to where they are now is kind of like light years of difference. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if they just got big benefactors with big time money to come in and, and kick some ass, but um, they've been outbidding, you know, picking up licenses that have been dropped by other companies. So they must have some money to do that. Um, and I know they've been picking up a lot of the stuff from Twilight Time, picking up some stuff from Olive Films. Olive Films is... I think on their last legs. I haven't heard a release from them. Did, in didn't a they? Long don't they? Te- time. Don't they team up with Studio Canal and a lot of stuff too? They got a lot of. I don't know, but I, I think I talked about this a couple episodes ago where they were putting out a couple of releases a year to putting out like maybe five, and so I don't know where they're going. It's the complete opposite of Kino, where Kino's putting Kino is putting out like 
five to ten a month. The, the, <laughs> like, five, it's five, really... five to ten a minute, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but the thing with Kino is, is we've said this before, and like we've said now, I love them, but they need a better release strategy of dropping like one to two films per day. Like, just give it's, me all of them at once. You're not making <laughs> you know? it, you, they're not making it as special as, as some of these other companies make it. And, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's not like, they're not like releasing a slate. They're releasing it like a little bit at a time. Almost like feeding us just tiny morsels of what we want versus like an entire Thanksgiving meal. But saying that, let's dive into these releases. Um, first up here, we have a movie um, starring uh, Claudette Colbert and Ray Milland. So they're putting out a lot more Claudette Colbert recently than I think we've ever had in the past on Blu-ray. Uh, she's specifically in uh, It Happened One Night, which is one of Stephen's favorite films. Thank you. Um, Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I just bring that up because I think about that movie very often. Um, but this movie is called Arise My Love, and it is a film from 1940, and there is a new audio commentary by film historian Kat Ellinger and theatrical trailers. So that's about it for there. Uh, but it is, they're also releasing it on Blu-ray and DVD. So I'm assuming it may have not even had a DVD before. So I'm not sure. But uh, it looks like Billy Wilder is a screen screenwriter, and this is one of his Oscar wins. Oh. Uh, Billy Wilder wrote on this. So, uh, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing there. That might be worth picking up just for that idea alone. Um, yeah, haven't seen this one. but um, no, Neither have I. Neither have I, but I, I'll pretty much, when it comes to certain actors or actresses, I pretty much just will buy it anyway. Yeah. And I think Claudette Colbert kind of gets me there, and Raymond Land as well. Okay. I think about The weekend a lot and as well. John, you haven't, haven't seen this one? No, no. Um, it's funny. So the director, I don't know if you say his name, Mitchell Leeson or Mitchell Lyson. but um, he's having a bit of a moment because there's also that Criterion Channel bundle okay um that they have going on right now neither of these two movies that kino is releasing are in that bundle oh. uh, i actually just watched remember the night with sort of the uh the female burt lancaster barbara stanwick i saw <laughs> that the other night and uh really enjoyed it the only thing i knew about mitchell leeson before this was preston sturgis disliked Mitchell Leeson's treatment of his script so much that he became a director to direct his own scripts afterwards. Or at least that's what Preston Starr just said. You could never believe <laughs> like half of the stuff that came out of that dude's mouth. But um yeah, so it seems like Mitchell Leeson um is having is having a bit of a moment now. So that's kind of exciting. And now these two Blu-rays coming out, commentaries, all that good stuff, you know, maybe this is like time for reevaluation. Yeah. That's always exciting. You know, it helps us discover um, you know, and maybe they'll, they'll, you know, well, uh, unfortunately with Kino, I don't think there's any special features to help elaborate on why they decided to choose these movies, but, uh, well, there's uh, the commentary, I guess. <laughs> is there a nice. commentary? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There's a new commentary. So maybe it'll shed some light on there. Uh, but the next film is another Claudette Colbert film. This time it's a team up with Fred McMurray. And I don't know if you've seen the cover of this, but it's a shirtless Fred McMurray mm. in, in a movie called in a movie called No Time for Love, another Mitchell Lyson film. Yeah. So it's a double double Mitchell Lyson release set here, and this has a new commentary by film critic Nick Pinkerton. A lot of these names I see frequently now. Nick Pinkerton, yeah, Kat yeah, Ellinger, yeah. a lot of these people I see uh, contributing to a lot of these releases. 
And yes, like I said, it is another Claudette Colbert film, another Fred McMurray film. Um, they released a couple a little while ago, I think. So I don't know what what's going on. Maybe they've just gotten the um, the licenses for a lot of these old Hollywood films starring these actors and actresses. But yeah, yet again, Claudette Colbert is the is the reason to buy it. Um, do you think do you think this is some kind of like somewhat sequel to the last film? <laughs> you know, they're both have love in the title. So. You know, hey, that's true. And they, one was 1940, the other one was 1943. Or maybe Fred McMurray's playing the Millard character from the first movie. They had to recast him. You know. No, perhaps. Yeah. No, perhaps. it's actually a James Bond prequel because there's, what, <laughs> No Time to Die is coming out. So this is No Time ah, for Love. It's the, nice. Yeah, it's the no first. Time for I don't love know how sound. to make that connection. <sighs> it does sound like a James Bond title. Jeez. Well, I'm definitely buying them now. I mean, it's it's. I got to get the prequels to James Bond. Um, cool. What's our next one? Um, do you want me to go what's on our notes or yeah, just go by what's on, our on no- the list? on our notes is fine. All right, because so the notes I got to make it. Around. I'm going to make it harder on you. Because it's another Claudette Colbert movie <laughs> that we have on. It is uh, another Claudette Colbert movie, but. Yeah, Cecil DeMille, Four Frightened People. Yeah, yeah Cecil B. DeMille. I, and they're releasing two Cecil B. DeMille films. Uh, and this is the first one here. These are coming out in August. I think these are all August 3rd releases. So a group of these are coming out August 3rd and then the next and then the rest are coming out August 10th. So it's kind of going to be an definitely Kino heavy August, I guess. Cecil B. DeMille, for those of you who don't know, is kind of kind of one of the most famous directors of all time, I would say. Uh, he has a he had a penchant for making these gigantic epics, specifically biblical epics. I think he had some quote because I think I saw it on Jeopardy the other day where basically just give him like a piece of the Bible and he'll just like make a movie out of it essentially. <laughs> um, but this is starring not only Claudette Colbert but Herbert Marshall. And this is coming with a new audio commentary with film critic Nick Pinkerton. This is coming out in 1934, so this is pretty. This is early. This is right around that 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 transition era of pre-code and the and the Hayes Code. So it's very interesting. Um, interesting. I'm not a big fan of the cover though. I'm not a big fan of like some of these covers for some of these this releases like sometimes. A- like the cover of a like a romance novel, it uh, does. But in a trashy I just, it looking, looks, but it, it yeah, it does look a little bit like colorized yeah. or something weird. It looks like black and white colorized. Yeah, you know what I mean because it has that the skin tones don't look natural. Yeah, to me. So it looks like two mannequins or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, this is a bad cover, guys. Yeah, yeah. it's not I, a I good cover. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Again, I would like to point out that obviously any of the people that worked on the cover or anybody that worked yeah. on this film and like did a restoration, if they did a restoration on this or any other films, great. You're doing a service to, to film and yeah. I genuinely applaud that. With that being said, this is not my favorite cover. No. It's, yeah, kinda, it, it's, it's kind of uncanny. It's like if you look at it too long, you're going to be creeped out a little bit. I, yeah, I, I, if you didn't hear me speaking, it's because I actually was kind of freaked out. I was on camera. It, it's not. I, I, I was a little frightened nightmares. for a second. I looked into their eyes too long. Um, yeah, and I looked at their eyes too long. Um, <laughs> I'll say this: when it comes to Kino, if the if there is a new type of restoration, they'll tell you in big bold letters. But if there's not, they don't. They don't say they, anything. They hide that down. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it really <laughs> difficult for people like me who try to do like reviews on YouTube. And it's like, yeah, I, I have no idea if this is a new restoration or not. It doesn't say, but it looks good to me. Yeah. <laughs> not, not exactly uh, descriptive. 
Um, we get but, to a point. We get to a point, our, at least for me and my collecting. You know, since I'm such a a, a careless buyer, um, right. I just buy stuff. So it's just like whatever. Just give it to me. It's like junk yeah, food. I'm just like, give me, just give me more. I don't care. Yeah, but if, if it's, yeah, I mean, just, don't try to talk me out of it. I'm just gonna buy it anyway. Just yeah, but I mean, like for me, it's I guess I'm I guess I'm the opposite. Where I'm like, I want to know. I want to know what you did because I want to know where my money. <laughs> Is my money worth? No, I agree. I, I guess I'm just yeah, the guy that's going to keep physical media alive no matter what. I'm just just keep pouring nice. all my earnings into it and just, you know, then my wife's going to leave me and then all I'll <laughs> have is movies. my movies. So, yeah. So, well, well, well your see. movies will never leave you. They don't. Yeah, hopefully, I don't have a, a fire or a flood or a something. So, no, no. Yeah, that's all um, I can hope for. <laughs> but another Cecil B. DeMille film is called Union Pacific. And this I actually did see. It's a two-hour and fifteen-minute uh, film starring two of my favorites in Barbara Stanwyck and Joel McRae, and they released a whole box set of Barbara Stanwyck films, which I got and thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but this is kind of like a kind of like a mini epic western uh, dealing with kind of post-Civil War, um, uh, having to do with the expansion of the railroad out west and the dangers and things like that. But it also has kind of like a a love triangle story in it as well. Um, I enjoyed it. I rather enjoyed it a lot. And this has a new commentary by uh, film historians Dr. Eloise Ross and Paul Anthony Nelson in a theatrical trailer because we still need them. (laughs) Yes. Um, I dig it. I'm definitely probably going to get this uh, when it comes out. Cecil B. And I need more Cecil B. DeMille. There's just not been a lot of Cecil B. DeMille Blu-rays, at least not for his underwork, for his main stuff. I mean, how many times are they, go- are they going to re-release the Ten Commandments? Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 you know that we need a seventy fifth anniversary version and an eighty. You know, they got to do every anniversary, seventy seventh anniversary. You know, that's what they do. You know, yes, yeah, they just re-released the Ten Commandments in a four K version. So yeah, if people want that, they can go grab it. I think it's Paramount. I'm not sure. Um. Yeah, right. any any thoughts on on that one? No, I don't. Any I thoughts on Barbara it, Stanwyck? So. Yeah, I get some thoughts on Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> okay, good. Keep it concise. <laughs> she's, Keep it she's concise. the greatest. I mean, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, no. The, so what this movie is really interesting. Apparently, apparently after the fact, uh. Th- can film festival went back and sort of said like, Hey, we canceled some of our can film festivals uh, during world war two. And so let's judge the films that were in competition before we had to cancel. And this film is officially the first Palm d'Or winner of all time, because in 2002, a jury said this was the winner for the 1930 con film festival which never actually took place so nice. that is about as fun a fact as you can get that's a pretty damn fun <laughs> fact that if anything that that heightens this movie in its importance historically specifically mm. to the point where i'm like why why isn't this movie more well known well yeah because you compare it to like stagecoach which came mm. out i think the same w- year? like the same yeah. year yeah you compare it to stagecoach which is you know everybody knows about that and talks about that and it's in film theory books and stuff whereas this movie i think had sort of a similar impact on elevating the western to you know uh uh to the a-list um this yeah it really hasn't had that same glamour so let's see 
let's see if that changes now that it's going to be more widely available. Nice, nice. So next up is a movie that I also saw recently, and that is Desire. And this is a film starring uh, one of my favorites. I keep that's a running theme here. These are all my favorites, by the way. They're your favorites. Uh, Mar- yeah. Marlena Dietrich and Gary Cooper. Now I went on a a, a just Marlena Dietrich film festival in the last year or so because I went through the whole Dietrich and von Sternberg box set from Criterion and I also just randomly had seen a bunch of her other movies as well so this was another one where I'm just like if it's Marlena Dietrich if she's in it I'm buying it no matter what and bonus is you know Gary Cooper's in it as well but this does have a brand new HD master from 2k scan of the interpositive and a new audio commentary by film historian Sam Deegan, and a new audio commentary by film historians David Del Val and Nathaniel Bell, and then theatrical trailer. And this is from Frank Borzaghi. Frank Borzaghi is a director I don't think a lot of people are aware of, aware of him, and I think he's one that I think a lot of people should be more aware of, because one of his probably more uh, famous films is getting a Criterion release, or it's out already, and. And that's and I can't remember the name of the film, but <laughs> it's um yeah it's a really this is a really uh, good film, and it's it's also written by Ernst Lubitsch or produced by him. It's produced by Ernst Lubitsch, I believe. So you get kind of a Frank Borzaghi Ernst Lubitsch combination in there, and I thought it worked. I thought it really really worked. Well, you sold me. I'm, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I like Dietrich myself, and and also you're saying the Lubitsch connection there. That's sounds like a, a winning combination to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I I need I. Anytime you bring up Lubitsch, I'm definitely down for like any of his work or anything that he touches. Really, um, I'm just trying to look up that Frank Borzaghi film. Um, oh, History is Made at Night. That's the movie, and it is coming out on Criterion. I like story out. It came out April thirteenth, so I'm like a month behind. <laughs> this is one I'm definitely gonna pick up if we have the Criterion sale in about two months or so. This is high on my list. Um, this was I watched it on the Criterion channel, and it had some of the special features I think that were on that are were going to be on this Blu-ray. So it it was really, really a fun experience. Really good experience. Um, yeah. Cool. Any any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Let's see. <clears throat> no, I I actively avoid watching films with Gary Cooper. I don't really? know. Oh wow! Yeah, he just <laughs> Jeez, he's just, just calling just out always, Gary Cooper right in the middle. That's of That's a hot take. Yeah, this this one I feel <laughs> I feel ba- I feel bad about ganging up on Keenan Lorber. I feel no qualms about letting the world know that I actively avoid films with Gary Cooper in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Is is there any specific reason? Just not a fan. I just feel like well, what was the was it was it High Noon? I, I watched. I can't remember the film I watched with him, but I just watched it and like the movie was so great and everybody else around him was so great and he just stood there and yes, he's tall. He looks like he's cut out of granite, but it, like I just was like, does he, is he even trying? Like, does he <laughs> does he care about being here? And I've oh, I've just every single time because there's like a Gary Cooper bundle. On Criterion, I'm like, nope, not I. Just I, I have the. <laughs> I'll say this ha- though, you you're not wrong. Gary Cooper is very stoic 
very stoic. Yeah. And, yeah. And what's interesting is that John, like John Wayne, was also very stoic too. But he had some edge or some charisma. He had, like, a, you know what I mean. He had the Nicholas uh, Cage. He had what I call the Nicholas Cage effect. Oh, he wasn't that crazy. <laughs> He's but. got that charisma that you just can't describe. You can't. It, it say he was quoi. Cage before Cage. I mean, I, <laughs> but um, yeah. What's interesting is Gary Cooper in Desire, like that. You could see that Ernst Lubitsch, like, like comedic edges in there. You know, not edges, oh nice comedic. Like they're trying to make him more of a. Not a screwballish character, but he's more of a, a lighter character in comedic in ways. And there's a lot of comedic banter and things back and forth between him and Marlena Dietrich, and I think that has to be a lot of Ernst Lubitsch, like in there. All the romantic stuff I think seems to be more Frank Borzaghi, and the lighter, more comedic stuff, playful stuff I think is the Ernst Lubitsch factor. Um, but you're probably not going to like this next film because it also stars Gary Cooper, <laughs> yeah. and it's called it's called Peter Ibbotson. Yeah. And this film I'm not aware of at all, but it came out in 1935. Uh, it's a new audio commentary by film historian David Del Vale and moderated by producer Miles Hunter and theatrical trailer. And this is um, from director Henry Hathaway. And I didn't realize that Henry Hathaway was doing movies in in the 30s. Well, yeah, um, I mean, he's... he's done, well, I mean, we're more in... You know, we know about his, like, True Grit. He did True Grit. Yeah, I'm more used West to his won. westerns later on. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, did, I didn't know he was... Yeah, this must have been his beginnings. Yeah, he did, like, The Sons of Katie Elder, and and he directed one of the one of the um, the portions of How the West Was Won, um, but I didn't know that he was doing films in the 30s. Um, that's kind of surprising to me. He did, a, yeah, a lot of the later John Wayne stuff seems to be him. Um, yeah, I'm just looking up... I was just looking at some of his stuff, but... I I don't know much about this movie. Uh, it stars Gary Cooper and Anne Harding. Um, the Henry Hathaway connection um, has me intrigued, but I don't know. It, it's interesting what Jonathan said about Gary Cooper uh, because early Gary Cooper is is different than kind of the high noon era Gary Cooper. Like I feel like they tried to make Gary Cooper in the '30s like a romantic leading man, um, and I guess they kind of tried to do that later on as well. But I don't know. It's 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 just interesting. Looks like they got a, looks like Ida Lupino's in in this film too, as an actress, actor in this. Oh film. yeah, this is the one where the cover says, in big bold letters, Gary Cooper, Anne Harding, then Peter Ibbotson, then with Ida Lupino at the very bottom, <laughs> <laughs> at the very bottom. Just so you guys don't forget. I guess like just like putting that Ida Lupino, like factor in there. Another box set by. Um, Kino Lorber was the Ida Lupino set, which is a great set. I think that's like, I think everything you need to know about Ida Lupino is probably in that set. It's most of her work. Um, at least most of her directing work, or a good chunk of her directing work. Uh, but yeah, I don't know about this movie. Uh, yeah, well, well. Eh, eh. If you have enough money to buy all the Kino releases, maybe you'll get around to this one. I don't know. Yeah, well, well yeah. So. Jonathan, do you have any any feelings on it? You're just not interested in just, Gary Cooper. It, Gary Cooper's in it, so you don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I'm I'm probably coming off. I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna bring that. I'm gonna have to put this in, in the Criterion Group or something. I'm gonna have to like. I don't think. 
Oh yeah, no, I think that I think the Gary Cooper. Um, I think there are a few other people in our Criterion groups that are uh, okay. are, are yeah. in the anti Cooper camp. But okay. yeah, no, um, no, I uh, I actually I couldn't even honestly I couldn't even find this. I knew obviously this was uh, this was uh, announced recently. I want to do some research on it. I couldn't even really find anything on it, so I'm not. I'm not aware of what it is, but I absolutely get that. Like, you know, Gary Cooper had a long and storied career. I'm sure that some of his early stuff is way different. And, you know, obviously he, he must've been a pretty talented guy to keep on getting those roles, you know, just like Jared Leto, he continues to keep on getting roles. So, and that's clearly because of his, his vast amount of talent. So, um, you know, that's an interesting uh, comparison. I would have never, would have never <laughs> made that connection. And Gary Cooper. I don't know <laughs> if anybody's ever made that comparison before. But yeah, let's get me back onto solid ground, guys. Let's go to yeah. Eastern Promises. Yeah, Eastern mm. Promises is the next one. This is now when they drop this, this was like a hammer drop because this is this is a, a UHD 4K release, and this is of David Cronenberg. And this is pretty this is the year of the Cronen- This is the year of the Cronenberg. You oh know. yeah, it is. I mean, it not only is, he, is. they're they're putting out stuff in 4K and Blu-ray, but he's also making a new movie, and I'm so excited. He is. Yes. Wait, is it Crimes of the Future? Is he officially working on that, the remake or sequel or whatever? Yeah, it seems like he's just using the title, or maybe he's remaking Ooh. it. I don't a more elaborate version of that, but um, yeah, I think they're shooting in Greece right now. I think is where they're at. Nice. Um, That's so, what yeah. I heard. Yeah. So nothing in the way for this release when it comes to special features yet. I'm hoping something new. Come on. I mean, you're not going to drop this release and just give us the same old features. Um, <laughs> at the very out. least, I would hope <laughs> it would be the same features. Uh, but for one, it just says, coming soon on 4K UHD, brand new Dolby Vision restoration. So they're working on it. And for those of you who don't know, this is his film from 2007, starring Viggo Mortensen and Naomi Watts. Vincent Cassell is in it. We talked a little bit about Vincent Cassell recently uh, when we talked about Brotherhood of the Wolf. And then we did our whole episode back on Cinema Discovery Project of La Haine, where we talked a lot about him there. Um, yeah, this is this this is kind of my era of Cronenberg that introduced me to Cronenberg was A History of Violence, was Eastern Promises. And then it wasn't until later that way I went back to see his early, you know, horror, you know, more gooey movies, if you will. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of super glad this is coming out because I was talking to Steven earlier. I don't think there's been a re-release or any type of restoration, restorative or remaster release since this came out. And I'm pretty sure Eastern Promises was an early Blu-ray release. Like we're talking um, 2008, this came out. And that had a, oh Christ, that had a VC1 encode and I've always wanted to talk about encodes, so please. I mean, Great. Uh, here comes. Here it comes. Hey, here it hold comes. on for about an hour. and okay, Hold on for a No, it's going to be a minute. Come on now. Uh, basically, VC1, uh, two, two encodes for HD is VC1 and AVC, and VC1 was the more compressed and crappier one, and a lot of early Blu-rays had VC1 encodes, specifically Warner Brothers and like Universal Studios releases. This was back during the, the format wars. Anywho... This needs a this needs a re-release bad. Basically, that's what I'm saying because it's it's old and compressed and it this is gonna look so much better. And I'm very curious that they they got the rights to Eastern Promises, but Universal tends to be very laissez-faire and very open to like giving other boutique labels their movies. Yeah. 
They yeah. seem to be one of the most open ones. Well, I mean, any way I can get new, you know, updated Cronenberg, I'm good. It's my, he's probably top three favorite directors, so I'm keep giving me stuff. Uh, I just had to buy a DVD. I was telling him earlier, I had to buy a DVD because there is no Blu-ray uh, of Spider. Um, mm. And we're going to be doing a Cronenberg episode in a couple months. So I needed to get the, all the physical media of Cronenberg I can get my hands on. And and I haven't seen Spider, so I have to go get that DVD for 10 bucks on eBay and whatever. So, but Eastern Promises. We love the movie, right, John? We do. Yeah, this is um this is one of those movies that like uh guys my age that saw it in the movie theater in their 20s or whatever and thought like this is one of my f- this is amazing. <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies. Like, you know, there are a lot of movies we have like that that we saw in the theater and we said that and now we're a little embarrassed. This is not one of those. I feel like this is one of those films where look, it you know, it's no longer in my top 10. Um uh my tastes have changed and, you know, I've seen a lot more films, all of this stuff, but this is absolutely like a stunning film, uh, super highly stylized. Um, it was probably the first movie where I really noticed homoeroticism in a movie that wasn't about, that wasn't about gay men, but was like talking about the homoeroticism of, uh, certain subcultures that, you know, were positioning themselves as hyper-masculine it was just such an interesting and, you know, it wasn't I knew of Cronenberg and I knew of Cronenberg's filmography from when I was a kid growing up in the 80s. But I was a kid, so I didn't watch like The Fly or, or Videodrome, um, but I knew who he was. And so but yeah, to some extent, I'm in the same boat as you, Andrew. This is sort of my real introduction to Cronenberg's films, this history of violence and Eastern Promises. And Eastern Promises blew my doors off. Going back, getting a more deeper understanding of what Cronenberg's about with the body horror and with that like psychosexuality um, and all of that stuff, it makes perfect sense that this is the sort of film he would have made. Um, yeah, it's it's great, and I can't wait. I can't wait. This is the biggest release that you know we're probably going to be talking about on this episode. Yeah, I mean it, the evolution of Cronenberg's interesting going from all that body horror to to kind of melding that into to with kind of more modern storytelling you know crime films and and even some you know he did what a dangerous method um yeah. is also very good you know he this is this is one of uh, what three collaborations with Vigo Mortensen and he's about to do his fourth so um, yeah, and that Vincent Cassell role in that film, A Dangerous Method, was absolutely wonderful. That guy sort of saying like, "Hey, look, why is everybody sitting around here doing battle, you know, with their with their desires? Like, just give in, like me." Yeah. And then we see how well it works out for that guy. But you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and somebody who somebody who lived by that philosophy for most of my life, um, probably up until like five years ago, it's like I was watching it. I was like, yeah. And then we <laughs> see what happens to him. It's like, oh, okay, oh, I oh, guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh thing- yeah, I'm just gonna get all the Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, the one thing about Cronenberg is he's never been shy uh, for sexual stuff. Just never been shy at all about that at all. We did a whole episode on Cinema Discovery Project about existence. And mm. yeah, it's just like everything in that movie is so sexual. Everything. <laughs> everything <laughs> in it. <laughs> so that's so that's Eastern Promises, which 
Like, we, yeah, it's probably the biggest release, the hammer drop, as I like to say. And I can't wait for it. I'm ho- They didn't really give a time frame of when it's coming out, hopefully this year, because it's not part of their August slate that we've been going through with all these other movies. But I would love it in time for this fall, maybe, or maybe holiday time. That'd be kind of a sweet... Sweet holiday your, gift. Your, your uh, Christmas to present to yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It would be. It is a Christmas film, right? It, I think it is. Out it Christmas. is a Christmas film, yeah, yeah, because I feel like, uh, I don't know if it's the opening or if it's later on. I feel like, but I, and I even feel like maybe I saw it in the theater. I don't remember, but it, it that film always has like a winter, a wintry feel to me. Yeah, it's got so a that cold, would it's a very be cold. very appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, swinging back to more traditional Kino Lorber fare, we have a movie called OSS starring Alan Ladd. came out in 1946. I want to say this is a film noir. I see Alan Ladd. I see 1940s. <laughs> I, uh, I it's, see a the cover. it's a war movie. It's a, it's is it a, a war movie. It's a spy movie. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I see Alan Ladd with a gun. <laughs> There's going to be some sure squirrel lighting in there somewhere. <laughs> I just got that feeling. <laughs> I mean, they. Uh, but it, it's it's another film... Yeah, that I'm interested in. Uh, there is a brand new HD master from a 2K scan of the Interpositive, and new audio commentary by film historian Sam Deegan and theatrical trailer, and it's directed by Irving Pichel, who directed The Most Dangerous Game, which is which is a pretty cool movie. Um, that they 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 keep making variations of that movie over time, basically humans uh, hunting humans, and that is the most dangerous game. Um, but yeah, it, this is an interesting kind of, like you guys said, World War Two, World War Two type movie, um, that they were kind of making at the, at the time, you know, like movies set in World War Two in some type of fashion. Um, yeah, I'm just a big fan of of Alan Ladd, uh, This Gun for Hire, Blue Dahlia, stuff like that. Um, well, he did another movie called, uh, what was it? The Go- not the Golden Key, it was something else, The Glass Key. That's another one. Um, a lot of those have been getting releases from Shout Factory, and I really need to pick up some of those. Uh, great film noirs. But, uh, Stephen, do you have any, any take on this? Jonathan, do you have any take on this? I, I don't like Alan Ladd, so I stay away from Al- No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> good, good. He doesn't like you either. He doesn't like you either. I don't know what it is about him. He's, I don't like his last name, Ladd. I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Oh, neither have I. Neither have I. I've just seen other Alan Ladd performances. Steven, you know, um, this actually is a James Bond prequel because the writers. I swear. I swear. One okay. of the writers is um, wrote like 12 of the first 15 Bond films. Oh, Jesus and Christ. obviously, OSS, you know, stands for Office of Strategic Services, like the group that preceded the CIA. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Jesus, um, I have to buy this uh, too. I know. Um, yeah, another, the there's another twenty dollars down the drain. Yeah, no, Kino, <laughs> you gotta you gotta make the some of these need to drop in price a little bit. That's also why I wait because I know there's gonna be a price drop on some of these eventually. And you know, Kino does their sale. Their sale, you know, yeah, their sale is really the time to to jump on the the bandwagon. Uh, but next up is uh, we're moving out of the '30s, out of the '40s now. We're in the 60s, okay? So everybody, get your 60s I can, gear I on. Can, I, yeah, let me change my clothes. Yeah, yeah, it's 1961. <laughs> uh, it's a movie called Backstreet, starring oh, Susan Hewitt. Oh, this is Hubert the this is John the prequel Gavin. to Sing Street, right? 
Oh, I believe it. <laughs> or this is, uh, I almost said the Backstreet Boys, but nope, that's not it. <laughs> this is uh, the origin does... movie of the Backstreet Boys? What? I wish. <laughs> uh, a new audio commentary by film historian David Delvale, moderated by filmmaker David Dakota, and theatrical trailer. Um, I kn- this, this is a movie I'm not familiar with at all, other than the people who are in it. You know, other than John Gavin and Vera Miles and Susan Hayward. Yeah, that's not. I, sorry, I'm I'm not familiar. Because I know because John Gavin was in Psycho. Didn't help me at all. No, so. <laughs> yeah, John Gavin was in Psycho, um, and that's my favorite Hitchcock film. So I know I know it well. Uh, and Vera Miles was also in Psycho, coincidentally. And Psycho came out what a year before a year before this movie came out. So it's kind of a team up there. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is probably one of the ones I'm least interested in, but. But I give I give them props for putting it out. Yeah, well, John, anything? I don't see Gary Cooper here, so I think you're all right. Yeah, this wasn't on my radar. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Probably won't. Probably won't end up on my radar. Okay. Well, yeah, I think the, yeah. the the next one's more interesting. Yes, yes, it is. And the next one is uh, Lilies of the Field. And yeah, uh, when I saw that they were releasing this. I got a little happy because one, I'm a gigantic Sidney Poitier fan, and this had previously had gotten a Twilight Time release, and I believe that went out, that sold out. And once those sold out, they were pretty tough to get. And this is the film that Sidney Poitier won his Oscar for. A lot of people think that it was for In the Heat of the Night, but In the Heat of the Night is just a more popular, well-known film that they just assume that, but it's not true at all. Um, yeah, Rod Steiger won an Oscar for that yes. and won Best Picture, but yeah, yeah Sidney got this is his, I think this is his only Oscar for acting, right? Yes, he probably. I'm assuming he got he has an honorary one as well, right? Right. Um, but this is his only in competition one, and did he not get the, like a nom at least other nominations? Didn't he get nominated for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Or I want to. Oh, I'm say sure he, he got other nominations. Yeah, yeah. I'll look, I'll look that up, th- but this is a pretty big release significantly for me personally um just because i just i missed out on that other blu-ray release and i definitely want this one uh and when it comes to Sidney poitier he was nominated for the defiant ones which is a great film that no one talks about um and he won of course for lilies of the field and that's it and he won the honorary and then he didn't get nominated for anything else wow oh wow yeah a bunch of golden globe nominations though and stuff but The Defiant Ones is, a, is another film by Stanley Kramer, who directed Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and that's a great film. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else on Lilies of the Field? Have you have you guys seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I, I was I was one of them, like you said earlier, it had a Twilight Time release, and I, and I had been wanting to pick that up, um, but never got around to it. But I've always heard it's a great film. Um, John, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it, yeah. but uh, yeah, Andrew Golden Globes and Sidney Poitier, R.I.P. Golden Globes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goodbye. 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 Inferior awards. Goodbye. You know, know we can get rid of them award shows. I don't. Didn't really bother I know. me. But uh, I, only, I, I was going to say I have seen a patch of blue with Poitier. I thought That's he, a great. I film. thought he. I thought he had gotten nominated for that, but I think um, the actress in that film. Uh, Shelley Winters got nominated for that movie. Mm. So, but mm. yeah, um, it's probably one I'm going to grab because 
I've been I wanted to grab that Twilight Time and didn't. So this yeah it yeah I was just gonna say it does have a new audio commentary by film historian and critic Sergio Mims. Um, when it comes to you know the other release, I have no idea uh, if it's if it's comparable. It, the, the thing with Twilight Time is they didn't have a lot of extras. Those those releases really didn't. And just looking at it, it had looks like it had a commentary that's was only exclusive to that release. Everything else, original theatrical trailer, a MGM 90th anniversary trailer, and then isolated score track, and then an audio commentary with some other people. That was what it was on the Twilight Time release. So it looks like this you should be okay buying this one uh, and not really missing out on anything other than just that one commentary. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for this release to come out. So, But lastly, when it comes to... Uh, Kino for us at least is what am I looking at, Stephen? Uh, the Emperor's Waltz is uh, getting a Blu-ray release. Looks like it hasn't. It looks like it's coming out August seventeenth. Oh, okay. It's a okay, Billy it's, Wilder it, film. All right. It's not. You know what? It's not on their. It's not on their Facebook. It's not page. on their site. I had to go to Blu-ray.com to find this. Oh, okay. Could have yeah. told me that. All right. Oh, you geez, look like a jackass. Got to do everything for you. <laughs> no, I was kidding. <laughs> Emperor, the Emperor Waltz, and you know the obviously the big selling point for this is Billy Wilder. Yes, uh, and they had way more Billy Wilder movies than I thought they had in their catalog when I when they had their March Madness sale, like like two months ago, and I was just looking for stuff, and I was like, oh, let me see what they have for Billy Wilder. Way more than I thought, and it looks like they're adding to it uh, with the Emperor Waltz. And of course, this has Ben Crosby and. Joan, Joan, uh, Joan, Joan Fontaine. Fontaine, and you know the cover of this is amazing. You know, them two little dogs in the front are made. You know they're cute as can be. I mean that's it does have two dogs in the front. Yeah, I know. I know how you're a dog person. That actually yeah. looks like my dog. The one on the left looks like my dog it Fernando. Does. It Jeez. does. This, now this is a really cool cover. I love these kind of painted, these painted covers that they look like they. I don't know if this is the original movie poster or not, but it looks really good. Um, and looks like it also has a new audio commentary by critic Joseph McBride, author of Billy Wilder, Dancing on the Edge. Uh, Billy Wilder and Volker Schlondorf discuss the Emperor Waltz. That is fascinating. Uh, just because anytime you can get, um, you know, footage or interviews with people who have you know passed away, specifically the director of the movie, I think that's always a great special feature because you can never get you can never replicate that insight. Because because they passed, and Volker Schlondorf, if if memory serves, was the director of the Tin Drum. Yes. And he also has a pretty great um, Criterion Closet video, I think. Um, and he's got a couple of movies that are in the Criterion Collection. He's been around for for a while. He's 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 pretty up there in age. Um, I want to, yeah, I'm just trying to see if I can find something else from him. Um, no, because I know there was something recently that they that Criterion had released, but I couldn't remember what it was. But yeah, so that's that's that. That's the Kino stuff. Yeah, this is um, 1948. This is trying to put Billy Wilder in context, but that's right in the middle of all of his good stuff. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's that's there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's a, there's a in the middle of a lot of it. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I mean, sure shit, he that's... didn't do the apartment until 1960, so... <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm also pretty sure that, like, that's, like, 
this is the movie he did right before um, The Lost Weekend? Or is it right after? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, this was before he did Sunset Boulevard. This was before he did Ace in the Hole, uh, before Stalag 17. This is, yeah, this is a few years after The Lost Weekend and after he did A Foreign Affair, which also has a Kino release. A bunch of those movies in that era have Kino releases. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. They must have gotten, they got all of his stuff in there that I guess, like, the main studios didn't want to part with, like yeah. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, cool. Kino is done. Yeah, I know. That, and that's that's only from like the last week or so <laughs> of, of their stuff. Jesus. They, this was, yeah, they didn't release anything that, they didn't announce anything that first week in between episodes. But then the last week, it's just been Kino announcing stuff every day. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to the last half little thing of our show. Usually we kind of come up with an idea or topic to talk about. And... This week, uh, we f- we figured we try to since you know this is all about physical media. Sometimes, you know, as we've kind of hinted at before, we me and Andrew talk about this a lot. Andrew, you know, is one that's not as impulsive as me. I'm impulsive. I'll buy stuff, pre-order stuff. He likes he waits for deals and things like that. And sometimes when you do that, they get away. They get away from you. They run out of print. Mm. Um, sometimes they are out there, but then they go on eBay and then, then people mark them up and. They're basically out of your reach. Um, so we wanted to express a few releases from each of us that we wish we would have not waited on or wish that we could get our hands on. And I'll be honest, as a, we talked off uh, you know, off recording, I, I had a hard time with this because I, I have been buying everything I want because I'm crazy. Um, and uh, so I only came up with – I could only come up with a, a few kind of ones to throw in here. Um I'll go ahead and do mine first since mine are, I'm going to go through mine quick because I don't have a lot to say about them because they're just more about, I want the packaging over the packaging I got. Um, like for instance, one of mine is the Herschel Gordon Lewis set from arrow. The original one that came out was like a 17 disc. looked like a big cereal box. I really wanted that damn thing, but I missed out. And now it's like $300 on eBay. Um, but I got the standard edition that came out that's in three cases and like half the discs. Um, so great. I'm glad I have it. But I really wish I'd have gotten that big cereal box thing. So <laughs> somebody else go. I'm, I'm getting emotional about it. But uh, no, I'll go ahead and do my other ones. Dogma. Um, the Dogma Blu-ray I, uh, is the only... The only Blu-ray I know of that I think maybe Studio can now put it out. Do you know if that's true, Andrew? I, I think that was a Lionsgate release. Was that a Lionsgate release? No, I'll look it up while you. But I know I know I mean, Lionsgate might have put out the the U.S. version, but I think Dogma had a release. I've never gotten it. I've always wanted to have Dogma oh, on no. Blu-ray. It was and, uh, Sony Pictures actually. Okay. So that's a film I really love. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a super Kevin Smith fan, um, but this is actually one of the ones I really like of his. And I've never been able to get my hands on it. So, um, and I think the Blu-rays on eBay are going for like 80 bucks. And this is just a single release. I'm not buying that for 80 bucks. Just a single Blu-ray case, nah. Um, And then the only other one I could think of was that Phantasm set from Arrow. um, With the big box and the the sphere. 
Um, I missed out on that too, and I had to get the standard editions. So, like I said, mine are more about like packaging. Like I'm like a package whore because I want the nice big box sets. And that's really what my complaints are. So other than that, I feel pretty solid about what I pick up. So let me let you guys ramble on about what you got. John, you, you go first. Oh, man. You really triggered like a, a, a buried memory. Was it like um, in the, in the about... was it like the beginning of Apocalypse Now? Where he's just like <laughs> in the in the room and he's just like ah, you know, like seeing things and yeah, no, I'm not gonna smash a mirror or anything like that. Okay, um, okay. because I forgot about the Hellraiser um, cube, the Scarlet Box, the Scarlet. Yeah, box. I forgot about that, and that was available when I was, when I first like sort of became aware of, that was an arrow set, right? Yes. Yeah. I became aware of that, um, or of arrow around the same time that that was available. And then it went out of print before I could get one. And that was really upsetting. So I don't have that on my list and that's probably like, that's probably one of them. Yeah. So, but what I do have on my list is, um, is, the first hammer box from Indicator. Now that's a recent one that <laughs> oh, went out of out oh. of print. Yeah, Andrew. And I, I think Andrew's got that on his list too. No, well, yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah, it's it's a bane of my existence. But go on. Well, don't worry, Andrew. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna steal the Gamera Thunder for you. You can. That's all yours. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Um, so yeah, I mean, the thing is, look. I mean, ultimately, I'm. I think I'm more in the Stephen camp where it's like, look, I've been very fortunate that while I've been a Blu-ray collector. Basically, the stuff that I wanted, I just bought. And I don't know if that's a, that says anything positive about me or negative, but like, you know, I just like got the stuff that I wanted. There's no judgment here. Um, yeah. Indicator, indicator, I was like, eh, I don't know if I care that much about their movies. I don't think I'm really going to dive too deep into it. And I miss the boat. Um, and I know, and I still have that because I have like a lot of indicator boxes that I haven't gotten around to watching. They're just not like my highest priority. But I feel like in, in terms of like catering to collecting, Indicator does a great job. I mean, you talk about packaging, like they just they just are constantly like really setting the bar very high for for places like Criterion and others to be like, hey guys, you gotta you gotta give us something a little bit better. I've moved like three times with my collection and it's like you know, I know that my indicator boxes are going to be just fine. Whereas <laughs> some of those criterions, I'm like, oh, they're all the corners are going to be dinged. It's going to mm. be ugly, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, point is, I'm now an indicator, an indicator fan. And I have a bunch of the hammer sets. I really wish I could have that that first set um, uh, sit next to the others. Okay. Um, in terms of like the films that I really want to see that are super hard to get now that I wish I had the box set. That's definitely the Orphic trilogy. I check to see if Blood of a Poet or Testament of Orpheus are available somehow on streaming or like on a cheap ass DVD I can buy or whatever. <laughs> and I just have not struck gold yet. And so I'm really kicking myself that I never picked up the um, uh, uh, the Criterion box set. Now, this one is, I don't know how the, this fits in. Like I can see all these movies. Um, you know, I'm not really missing anything except in terms of collecting films, uh, uh, in terms of collecting physical media, the AK 100 box set is like, oh, yeah. is like 
chef's kiss. It's like yeah. the most beautiful. Uh, I just really wish that I had it, you know, on like a centerpiece in my in my new apartment so that like people could walk in the house and be like, <laughs> oh, shit, is that the AK-100? And I'd be like, yes, it is. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I for me, as far as I'm concerned, it's sort of like the holy grail for Criterion collectors. And I'm sad that I don't have it. So that's my number one. So if anybody wants to donate an AK-100 to to a Gary Cooper. A Gary um, Cooper hater. <laughs> a Gary um, Cooper guessed. hater <laughs> who slags off <laughs> Kino Lorbo, who's, you know, doing God's work for film restorations, whatever. Uh, feel free. Let me know. Dude, dude ha, ha, look. How, how do we do we think that they're going to re-release that set or do you think it's just not going to happen <laughs> no i don't think it's going to happen uh, i just don't i just don't think i mean look i've been you know we've been so spoiled andrew's been talking about like the revenge collecting like you know criterion fans so many of the oops have come back you know what i'm saying it's like it seems like every every couple of months we're getting something we thought we were never going to see again released by criterion it's been great whether it's in one of the big box sets you know bringing back some films that had gone out of print or if it's uh you know studio canal or whomever like giving the license over letting criterion get it they're even pulling stuff out of uh the eclipse sets every once in a while um yeah so what's the recent one they just brought out it was um uh, um, the african film i think the well there was the ascent yeah, yeah. Um, Tuki Buki wasn't. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Tuki was on Blu-ray. It was in WCP, not okay. Eclipse. But I get your point. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're we're just like uh, swimming in an embarrassment of riches of films coming back that we thought we weren't going to see for a while. But I don't think AK One Hundred will. Sadly to say, um, not really because of the films. It's just that box set is so damn beautiful and so yeah. nice to have all of Kurosawa's work like right there. Yeah. So um, that's the one that I would get. Yeah, well, I'm with you there, man. I, I, I kind of thought about that one, but then I was like, I don't know. Do we really want to have everybody on this podcast crying at once? So you know, I just you know, because that's like one of the ones I think all of us think about. Um, but uh, all right, Andrew, go ahead. I, I, I yeah, can't well, wait I'll to hear gonna, yours. I'm gonna save the, I guess, the worst for last <laughs> in terms of pain. Um, for me, uh, similar to what Jonathan said, it's definitely. Uh, I, I arrived late to the indicator game, so I missed out on a couple of those box sets. And I remember Steven j- jumped in, and he kind of like pulled oh, me in oh, afterwards. Look, uh, if you've heard my earlier podcasts, I, I went crazy, and I had to go out to eBay land and buy a couple of these for more than I'd like to pay. But I'm good now, and I ain't yeah, missing you, any of these other ones, so you, you can go see me on eBay early, again. Yeah, you um, jumped in early enough to get ones that are now really really tough to get yeah uh, like like jonathan was saying that volume one hammer set is really tough to get uh i've been telling i've told steven many times i'm glad i got two three four and five uh and i know six is coming out soon so i'm you know i'm glad i, I got those but still not having the completion of it all is gonna bother me and i still check on ebay like every couple of days or every day or so just to see what the prices are looking at and it's 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 expensive. It's I, I, I told Stephen before it's probably like two hundred to three hundred dollar on average on eBay at least, and that was like what was it like an eighty dollars set probably when it came out. So we're yeah, talking some serious roughly, markup yeah. here. Um, I know, and a couple of other indicator stuff would be like uh, the Ray Harryhausen set volume two, something I really want. Uh, Night Tide, 
Um, uh, another one was um, what what's that movie? Um, the Demon movie. Night Demon. of the Demon. Night of the Demon. Night of the is Demon. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that it, one, I really love that set. It had that limited edition box, and I stupidly oh gosh, so the box was available at this. I think. I think it was still available at the same time they had the standard release and I went with the standard release. I think that that's, or maybe I knew about Night of the Demon, went to go get it, and then I delayed and then I just ended up getting the standard edition later. However it is, I had an opportunity to get that box and passed up on it. That's That was a mistake. Yeah, and, and I've seen the movie and I really like the movie a lot. So it's not something that would have been a blind buy. It would have been worth it just because I like the movie. So a couple of those releases, and then a couple of other ones that have just been super limited that I've been trying to get my hands on would be like The Last Detail, um, uh, Body Double, stuff like that. Um, but but s- some other ones that are more higher up on my list is something like, actually we were just talking about Kino, Paris Blues. Paris Blues is a movie with Sidney Poitier, my all-time favorite actor and Paul Newman, and I believe Joanne Woodward's in the film as well. And I, I took for granted that this movie was always going to be available because it was one of the cheaper ones that was only around like ten to fifteen dollar range for a long time. And I was just like, oh, it's it's always going to be there. And then one day it wasn't. <laughs> and now and now it's it's significantly more expensive on eBay or on third party on Amazon. And it's just shocking to me because it was such an afterthought. You know what I mean? It just, one day it was here and the next day it was gone. Like there wasn't, when it comes to Kino, typically their stuff doesn't tend to sell out a lot or go out of print for the most part. Um, And this one just is gone now. So I got to wait if there's going to be a re-release somewhere or whatever. But that one is one that got away. But these are the big heavy hitters now. These are the top three. (laughs) Oh, now we're getting to the, okay, now we're getting to the important ones. Now we're getting to the, now we're getting to the heartbreak. So... We've talked about this on this show many times, our origin stories of collecting, whether it be DVDs, VHS, Blu-rays, or whatever. But for me, my early days of Criterion, I was such a novice that I didn't I didn't know things that I know now. And I you know, my first couple of trips to the Criterion uh, sale at Barnes and Noble, I was just kind of picking things that were roughly familiar. I didn't know what I do now, I was just getting into foreign cinema. I was just getting into classic cinema. This was like 2011, 2012. And if I knew then what I know now, I, I'd be a lot more smart. I'd, things would be better. <laughs> I remember holding in my hand uh, The Third Man by Carol, Carol Reed, the Blu-ray, and not knowing what it was. <laughs> not knowing what it was. What is this thing? And what is this thing? And now, of course, Orson Welles has become one of my you know cinematic idols for me and of course he's in the film uh, and the film is amazing uh, we've talked about it out here on the podcast it's it's taught, taught in film schools everywhere it's an amazing movie um anywho i it just now that now that blu-ray is like hundreds of dollars on ebay another one was um was uh le circle rule le circle rouge which uh, a couple of like right around when I started collecting a bunch of uh, that director's stuff went out went out of print right at the same time, and the Circle Rouge was one of them. And to this day, I hate that I didn't buy the Circle Rouge when I had when I had the chance. It was Jean Pierre Melville. That's yeah, who it was. Yeah. Jean Pierre yeah, Melville. I've and tried to get you to stuff. buy that. I tried to get you to buy that Melville set from uh, 
Canal, Studio Canal. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just a fool thinking that one day Criterion's <laughs> going to get the Circle Rouge back um, and I'd be able to get it. But luckily, I was able to get a couple of his stuff randomly at the time, like Army of Shadows, which went out of print and has since come back into print. And I still have that original release. Um, but my silver lining when it comes to the third man is there was a 4K restoration done within the last couple of years. And it has, and that restoration has gotten a Blu-ray release, I believe, in the UK or in Europe somewhere. So hopefully Criterion or somebody gets it and we get a new Blu-ray of it. But I have a Studio Canal release of that, um, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. You know, it's 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 another one that got away. And there were a lot of Criterions that were like that at the time where I just didn't know what I had. I didn't know the gold I had at the time. But moving on from my Criterion woes is um, another... Uh, Arrow seems to be coming up a lot here. Yeah, this is a double. This is a double. This is uh, the Seijin Suzuki, The Early Years, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Oh, I missed Jesus. out on both of those. And I can remember... <laughs> I remember when you talked about buying these I remember when that came out. never bought them. Because that came out in 2018, and it was just around the time where Arrow was picking up steam and putting out US releases and UK releases like simultaneously or something like that. They were just starting to branch off into their American, you know, roots here. And I just for some reason never bought it. And and what is interesting about that is that I bought it from a website one time right after it had gone out of print and they never sent me a copy of it. Mm. And I was just just hated hated the fact that, that never happened. And it, and then Volume 2 came out, but I'm one of those people, I'm particular when it comes to collecting. If I don't have Volume 1 of something, I feel <laughs> weird buying a Volume 2 because I want to watch the movies in order. That's just yeah. the way I am. And so that's, that's, that's an issue in and of itself. I didn't so I realize volume. I didn't realize Andrew the volume two was that OOP. I guess I could have added that to my list as well. <laughs> yeah, what is interesting is his other, um, the other box that they released the Taiyoshi trilogy, a Taiyosho trilogy, went out of print and then they re-released it in a new edition recently. And I don't know if it's one of those where like the first one was like a special limited one, and then now they've released a more standard one because yeah, they think just so. released. I think so, yeah. They just did that with their, um, what was it, their uh, Sakamoto set? The the one, the Solid Metal Nightmares from Shinya yeah. Sakamoto. They just released a standard edition of that set. And that and, and I missed out on that one as well. And that, but, and that had like Tetsuo the Iron Man and those crazy, crazy effing movies. Um, <laughs> so I missed out on that. But we've come to it at last. One of the biggest regrets... <laughs> of my life, one of the biggest miscalculations in my collecting <laughs> life was the Gamera Complete Series collection set. Yes, there it is. It is because it was not it's not only that I missed out on it because you know people miss out on stuff all the time. It's that I did not foresee the amount of love that Gamera has. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody saw that coming uh to be honest. Uh, be- as I said last week when I talked to Aaron, my familiarity with Gamera was the Mystery Science Theater episodes when they were roasting the Gamera movies. Because for those of you who don't know who Gamera is, it's basically a giant turtle version of Godzilla. That's kind of what Gamera is. It's in that same vein of like giant 
kaiju Japanese monster films, and but just cheesier because it's a giant turtle that flies around by like shooting fire out of its rear end. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I did not foresee the popularity of that when that set came out because that set was selling out even in the pre-order phase. I think it was selling out. Um, it has since they have since released like two box sets of like the Showa era and the Heisei era of those films, but it's not the same. You know, you, you miss out on some of the extra goodies. Like the the one, the packaging is gigantic. I didn't think that yeah. it's bigger than uh, it's at bigger least than any the Bergman set that I would set. have. It's bigger than the Bergman set. Yeah, yeah. It, in the Bergman set, it's a hefty set. It's probably taller than the Godzilla set as well. Um, but it looks solid. It looked like solid as a rock. It looked it's like a giant solid. brick. Well, look, but Andrew, I'm... when we re-release the Gamera set underneath my fantasy uh, Swedish nice. boutique label. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, so, wait, the Gamera movies are Swedish? Yeah, I was saying. <laughs> I didn't know this. Rules. <laughs> well, no, because you said it's bigger than the Ingmar Bergman box, and so I was saying. Oh, you know, okay. Well. We're, we're just going to release it through my... Uh, yeah, no, I had never even heard of Gamera. I I totally would have been in this. I don't even regret it because it, there's just no way I ever would have bought it. And but I, apparently, like, what aren't the last three films the? Um, aren't they supposed to actually be great films? I, I've heard they're actually pretty good. I haven't watched yeah. them yet, but um, I, yeah, I've actually heard the same thing that they're actually pretty good monster movies. Um, yeah, and it's it's a full-fledged, like, multi-decade franchise. Like, there's, mm. they still made, like, modern-day Gamera movies. Um, but and there's a side story here, but Stephen, please give me some time here. Um, oh, Jesus. So uh, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in the collecting realm know DiabolicDVD.com. They they have a lot of boutique stuff. Anywho, uh, one one night, like late at night, they released a tweet saying they were cleaning out their warehouse and there would be some extra stuff that had gone out of print that they may have extra copies of. And the rumor was it was one of those Gamera sets. Uh, so this was like a Sunday night, I think. So, so you're and telling me you went through a sweaty like 24 hours panic. like pinned to the to the computer screen, you know, just... Well, well I mean, this, this has a sad ending in and of itself, so... <laughs> Um, so I had a doctor's appointment the next day. So I am in the examination room on my phone on DiabolicDVD.com, and they have a couple of sets left of that they dropped of the Gamera collection. And it's not like the the four hundred dollars that it's going for on eBay now. It's like the legitimate whatever the price was when it came out, one hundred and seventy dollars, whatever. So I'm like, oh, finally, sweet victory! I'm going to cross the goal line. We're finally going to score, and. I put it in my cart, and by the time I, you know, was putting in the trying to put in the the, the payment info and the shipping stuff, sold out in mm. an instant, and it was just had it in my hands, and then it was gone. What is the and, lesson we learned here, kids? Uh, Always use pre-order. Pre, well, pre-order. Pre, well, pre-order, but also make sure that all that information's already saved in the site that you're using so that you just had to say hey look it's me and then it's already filled out for you and then you just hit buy yeah i know the thing Come is on, that man. The thing Jeez. yeah i know it, all that stuff saved on my computer but on my phone yeah like, on your phone, none of yeah, that know, stuff is saved yeah other than if it's like the amazon app or something yeah but if it's like whatever else it's like none of that sh- none of that stuff is saved on there so i had it in my grasp and it was just gone just clenched from the jaws of victory but who knows? Maybe one day I'll find a diamond in the rough on eBay or 
wherever and I'll, I'll, I'll finally snag one. Yeah, maybe I mean, they'll I could start just break ma- down. I could just break down and buy the the you know the Showa era and Heisei era ones, but I don't know. I don't want to give up. Never want to give up hope. Yeah, you should always have a dream out there. Um, oh, of course. But um, all right. Anything else left to say, John? Uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I mean I've already aired all of my grievances. I've aired my regrets, uh, and now I feel the need to go and buy a bunch of Blu-rays before I go to sleep. I mean, I still have some stuff over at Indicator that I haven't picked up, so I think, uh, you know, now I'm beginning to feel that that FOMO, that, well, that that's, Blu-ray that's our goal. FOMO. Yeah, well, yeah. When we have people on, that's that's our goal. Aaron was apparently buying stuff while while we were podcasting last week, um, so. Yeah, uh, I hope you buy some stuff, man. Um, but don't make your wife upset like I'm going to make mine eventually. So, um. <laughs> well, no, it reminds me of it reminds me of when I was in high school. Um, the head cheerleader Chrissy asked me if I wanted to make out, and I had I was stone cold sober, and I got really really shy, and so I I I I stumbled my words, and I I didn't get to kiss the head cheerleader. Literally, I think for like the next fifteen years, I was drunk like as often as possible because I'm like, it will never happen to me again. And so this is the equivalent of that. I'm gonna never let it happen again. You know, that scarlet box will never get away from me again. I'm gonna buy it, dude. I I show, we were I was showing him. Uh, I show Andrew and, and our friend Dan. I was I I have a. Uh, in a notes folder in my phone of the pre-orders like i don't i don't i don't buy things when they're coming out i i just pre and i literally have like a list of like probably 25 movies in pre-order that lead up through july into august so oh, man like, the mail when the mail comes at your house it's just like christmas every day it, my wife i I, it's, I gotta start sending it to other places <laughs> i gotta send it to like the walmart or something like I got my, I got my packages. You got me, you know, so she didn't get too. she doesn't start to figure out what's going on. But, uh, yeah, but it's been a great episode. I love listening to you guys' show. You guys bring so much, um, so much like excitement about, uh, uh, physical media collecting and all this stuff that I absolutely love. So, you know, I, I love the, I love the new direction, you know, keep it going. This is great. I appreciate it, man. And we hope that you bring back uh, film baby film, man. Is that is there is there any 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 choice at any time that that's going to come back or yeah absolutely so as we were talking as we were talking off mic off record um you know I've been so blessed to have like a lot of stuff going on um uh, unfortunately the pandemic like at certain points I probably sapped a little bit of my energy but like yeah. you know things were going great with work and got married and, but I meant I was really busy. So, um, film, maybe film definitely got put on the back burner and has been on hiatus for several months. Um, I definitely am still podcasting. I definitely want to bring back film, baby film. I don't know if it'll be in exactly the same format as before. I think I'd like to do something a little bit more scripted, perhaps maybe, maybe like with interviews, but edited in along with like scripted content and maybe do like more writing as a part of my podcasting, but neither hand nor there, you know, I want to, I love movies and basically like, you know, it's just like going to a great restaurant. It's like, yeah, I love finding a new great restaurant. I love eating the food, but you know what I also love? I also love like talking about the food with my friends and the great restaurants with my friends. And that's what, you know, that's what podcasting is for. And that's what listening to shows like you guys is 
uh, brings it brings to me. It's you know it's a lonely thing if you're collecting all by yourself. So um, definitely, yeah, yeah. Awesome, thanks man. for thanks for the show, guys, and I'll definitely I'll definitely keep you in the loop um, with with the next stages of uh, Film Baby Film. Awesome, man. Well, I, we appreciate you coming on. You're a very a very uh, informative, uh, uh, funny guy. Uh, because you know you, the, the Gary Cooper jokes were great. Because um, we know you love <laughs> Gary Cooper. But um, awesome. Uh, so wh- where can we find you online? Yeah. So I think so. I am on Twitter at Film Baby Film. I don't do a whole lot of tweeting. So if you message me or tweet at me, I might be a little while. Um, honestly, we all say that. We all say that on here. So you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know, I'm most active in the great Criterion groups, including including chasing labels. So yes. if you want to find me, honestly, come into the chasing labels group, ping me and, you know, I'll probably get to chat with you within a, within a day or two. So, um, Facebook, because I'm, I'm, that's just how old I am, dude. <laughs> I don't have a TikTok. Twitter's too complicated and like, yeah. just got too much stuff going on and everybody's yelling <laughs> at each other. Like, just give me the Facebook where I can go yeah. into my little groups and, you know, chat you know what, about let's stuff. Just start so, yeah. a whole, let's just start a whole new social media. Let's just do oh, it. Oh, God, I would love that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> All right, Andrew, where, where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cabzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Cabzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings, or you can find me over at the Instagram where I post all the stuff I buy. I need to do an update on that. I got a lot, a lot of stuff right here on the desk that I haven't posted yet. Um, but I, I post all my goodies on there uh, at Chasing Label 16. Or you can find me over at Letterboxd uh, where you can see what I've been watching um, over at Chasing Labels. Uh, thanks again for listening. You can find the audio uh, for this on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. And hey, Keep on watching them movies. I know I will.